there and welcome to the Short Stay Virtual Summit. I'm Elaine Watts and my next guest is Anurag. Now Anurag is joining me from Price Labs, the dynamic pricing tool for short-term accommodations. Anurag, how are you doing? Welcome. Thank you so much Elaine for having me here. Uh, doing pretty well uh, out here in Chicago. Yeah. Great stuff. It's lovely to chat to you. And I'm really interested to, to share a bit about what Price Labs does and the benefits of dynamic pricing and certainly pricing on the whole in these strange right. times. Yeah. But before we get into that, tell us a bit about you and, and your background and how you got started. Yeah, so uh, I got started with Price Labs about five years back. Uh, so we started Price Labs five years back at, at that point. Uh, I was working with United Airlines, building dynamic pricing and revenue management algorithms there, um, which was a pretty fun job, uh, really, really liked it. Uh, and one of my co-founders at that point was uh, an Airbnb host in, and he was studying in Northwestern uh, University in Chicago. Uh, and his background is also in engineering. And, and he was like, hey, you do pricing for airlines, clearly like on at least on on airbnb five years back or on any ota right like doing dynamic pricing was one uh, not a thought everyone came up with or even if you did think about it it wasn't something easy to do uh, and we were like hey if, if hotels do it if airlines do it pretty much every travel industry segment does it uh, why is there nothing for vacation rentals uh, that's where we got started, like um, brought out ideas from uh, what's already pretty well established in, in airlines uh, with the domain knowledge in, 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 in the short-term rental sector. Uh, the fun part there was just learning about the industry. Like we came in sort of as, as outsiders, at least I came in as an outsider. Uh, and my co-founder came in as an Airbnb host. And... Uh, it's been a learning curve in how much wider the industry is uh, and realizing that, okay, uh, Airbnb is one of the OTAs, uh, not the OTA. Also, OTAs are also not the industry. There's, there's so much more happening outside of OTAs. Uh, and then there is an entire uh, section of providers, property managers. Uh, like it, it's so much more complicated than what it looks from, from the outside to somebody who's just making a booking wanting to stay, right? Uh, yeah. that, that's been such a learning curve, yeah. Yeah, I'm, I'm sure. And that's a really good point you make that, yeah. that the OTAs are not the industry. There's, there's so much more yeah. to it than that. And I bet that's got to be taken into, into account. And we'll, we'll sort of get into, into yeah. it a little bit more about what actually happens behind the scenes. But as we know, there's been absolutely just huge changes for this industry and as the, as the has for the whole world, but right. huge changes in a really short period of time. And I, I think accommodation providers now are starting to look forwards and after the initial yeah. <laughs> extreme shock of everything changing, the cancellations coming in. And now people are starting to sort of accept what's going on. They're starting to look forward and try and right. understand what the future might look like when lockdown is lifted. So they're, they're streamlining processes, they're refining their marketing, and yep. they're starting to think about where these bookings are going to come from. 
right. and yeah. and a, a big part of that is is pricing mm-hmm. <laughs> and yeah. don't really know how to price moving forwards in a in a situation like this so could you sort of give us an indication of what the key things are that we need to know when we're we're making decisions like this or what we need to take right. into account Absolutely. Yeah. So there are like, uh, and and what you said about pricing not being what it used to be is so accurate because a lot of times, uh, if you look at uh, any industry, like one of the, one of the benchmarks people use is how am I doing compared to last year? Right. Um, That benchmark is now out of the window. Like uh, generally speaking, one of the things people say is like, if, if, if I'm managing multiple properties, or even if I'm managing just one property, uh, right now we are in May, um, and for coming August, how booked I am already right now, and how is it looking compared to last year? Like to to try and gauge, okay, am I more booked? Am I less booked? If I'm more booked, then it looks like it's it, the, the year is going well, and maybe I can raise prices a little bit. Or if it's not going well, then maybe I need to reduce the rates. It might not even be about the market. It might be just that your property is is less in demand for whatever reason right it could be that uh, uh, there are there's more competition in the area maybe or maybe it is just that on the otas you're ranked a little lower uh, than you used to so for whatever reason if if you're not booking as much as you used to but all of that now is sort of just um, just very hard to do not just for this year it's also going to be hard to do for next year because a lot of reservations for for the current times and and uh, whatever has not been canceled but has been moved has been moved probably to a later time which means it will now look that next year is more booked than it used to be at this point of time so it will look like hey, is is more demand going to come um, yeah so that's that's one major challenge the other yeah. thing that we have been noticing that's that's really changed especially for the short term uh, bookings is uh, one the lead time um, Lead time, um, most of you would know, but uh, it it relates to how far out are people booking. So uh, usually you see a mix of people booking, depending on the location. In a lot of cities, most bookings tend to come like very last minute. Whereas if you are out in the country or on the beach, people tend to plan their vacation much farther ahead. Or it also depends on how big your property is, right? Yes. larger properties where people are coordinating with a lot of their like extended family will be booked farther out. Uh, nobody is going to get like three families together and make a stay happen last minute. Uh, whereas smaller uh, smaller properties book last minute. What we are seeing generally happen is a lot more, uh, a lot more people are now booking at least right now last minute uh, because nobody knows when this is going to get lifted. Why book something where you don't know what's going to happen? Uh, So people are booking same day reservations and last week, like within the next week reservations a lot more, which is, which is understandable both from the perspective of like, Hey, if, if it's a leisure travel thing, like why would you book anything two months out? You just don't know. Uh, Also a lot of bookings that are happening right now are, are not leisure bookings. They are, uh, very essential and immediate travel requirements, either from healthcare professionals or somebody who's stuck in, in, in a country they didn't, they just visited, they thought they were visiting for a while and they ended up being there for longer, right? Or things like that. Like it could be a various set of reasons. Um, the second shift is again, short-term rentals, we think of it, generally speaking, we see bookings that are one, two, three, four, five nights in stay. Like those are the major chunk of short-term rentals. Um, and we are seeing that those have disappeared 
or almost disappeared. Uh, what we're seeing is bookings that are seven nights or longer, they have actually, they're actually contributing more occupied days than they used to. So not just in terms of a proportion of all bookings, but in, even in absolute terms, they are, they are giving more book nights now than they used to um, before all of this started. So there are three or four major shifts that now anybody who's thinking about like how to attract any kinds of guests uh, will have to think about. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Those, those are really good, good indicators for us usually yeah. Yeah. <laughs> to, when looking forwards and they, they're really good points. And some people who are maybe quite new to, to pricing and looking forward might not yeah. have known where to start. So those are amazing starting points. And now as things are changing, it's kind of thrown all of that data a little bit skew whiff. So yeah. how do we, yeah. how do we go about figuring out what our pricing should be like moving forwards? Right. How so far, how far ahead are, are you seeing people planning their pricing? Right. So um, I can speak a little, little bit about what our users are doing and also what, uh, what we have generally done in our algorithms and what we are telling our users to do. So, I mean, in, in, in the price Labs platform, there's automation, like we do things, but users can also control a lot of levers so that it's, it's a mix of both of things. Uh, so we have done a few things and then we have asked our users to do like as a general policy, if they think this is appropriate, you can do this. Gotcha. Uh, on, on our end, one of the things we have done is uh, usually we would bump up rates for events, for example, right? Uh, we know now that for the next month or two, uh, a lot of these large, large events that used to drive a lot of demand uh, in whichever location they're happening in or, or just holidays, and they're not going to be as, as occupied. Uh, the other thing we are seeing there that we are asking users to do manually is because we rely on data by looking at, hey, how many bookings are being done for a certain date or what's the occupancy looking like two months from now for a particular weekend? That's how we detect events. Like usually occupancy this far out is 50%. There's a date that's sitting at 70%. So something must be off. Uh, now we are seeing that there are events that got canceled, but people haven't started canceling bookings yet. Right. So even though the event isn't happening, the demand still shows that there is there's a spike. Uh, and we are asking our users, like, if they know that there's something happening, go ahead and override the algorithm go and override the automation because uh, that's how things work out the best, like with, with a mix of human and, and uh, automated pricing. Gotcha. The second thing we have done on an automated sense is for the next, we are, we are not changing pricing strategy for more than two months out. Um, at this point, we, like pretty much anyone around the world, we don't know how the recovery is going to happen course whether it's going to be um, an l-shaped recovery as people call it where like it's, it's a gradual increase towards what it used to be over multiple seasons or is it going to be like suddenly some uh, major breakthrough happens medical breakthrough and everybody starts booking all of mm -hmm. a sudden so we don't know which one is going to happen right like uh, it's probably somewhere in between uh, so what we are saying is hey very few people are booking more than two months out anyways, because there's so much uncertainty. Yeah. You don't necessarily need to adjust your rates too much for a booking window farther than 60 days already. But within 60 days, there are two major things that have happened. One, uh, 
people who would have booked May and June uh, a fair bit with stays that were done, uh, that were booked in, in April and March, just did not book those because there was uncertainty. So all those dates are sitting empty. Uh, and now with all that sitting and inventory sitting empty, there are people looking for last minute stays and, and longer stays. So in some ways, the only like the major chunk of demand that exists is last minute and longer stays. Now, how do we try and attract those? Um, for last minute stays, uh, generally speaking, uh, there are discounting options available uh, either um, either through us or through the OTAs or if your PMS allows for it, uh, using those. If it is for longer stays, uh, there are plenty of things that can be done. Usually we see a lot of our customers have uh, weekly book, weekly discounts set up on their on top of their daily rates, which are somewhere between 10 to 20%. And then they would have monthly discounts between 20 and 30%. Gotcha. And the thought in normal times was that in, in a normal month, I book maybe 25 days out of 30. Right. So, and you can look at your own stats from the last years and then figure this out. Uh, and, and so you're saying, Hey, if I book 25 days out of 30 in a normal month and somebody instead is ready to take up that entire month, uh, maybe I can give them an incentive, like a 15% discount. Uh, that way I get the same money and lesser hassle in some ways. Right. Yeah. Uh, and same with the week stuff, right? Like, in an average week, if I'm booking this much, then I can I, I can reduce my risk and have uh, a little more uh, operational sanity in some ways, like fewer cleanings to do. For and especially more important right now, like if you can book longer stays, uh, you're cleaning your yeah. place less often, right? Uh, or your cleaners are cleaning their place less often. Whoever is doing it. Uh, so now that stat, those stats of like how many days do you expect to book in a month are just so uh, out of whack because short-term bookings are going to short like and by short term i mean like less than seven nights yes uh, they are at least right now it looks like the occupancy in in most places is less than 40 percent which means you don't expect to book more than whatever 12 to 15 days in a month uh, if you can book out a month and salvage some revenue because there's a lot of competition because everybody is empty yeah. <laughs> salvage some revenue to stay uh, stay afloat in some ways then then that's an important step to take so uh, instead of the usual 20 to 30 percent we we're generally seeing a lot more people do much deeper monthly and weekly discounts so interesting just hearing how the the different things are are happening what you're seeing and it's mm -hmm. i think it's great to to have that knowledge that for the next two months you might be looking at making these changes but really not to touch any any of your pricing beyond that and sort of assume for now anyway right. <laughs> it's, yeah, a yeah. it's a decision we're making now and of course decisions at the moment can change quite quickly right. and but but for now focus on the next two months because this is where the uncertainty is right. and until we know more keep everything else for next year Right. fairly so, similar is that safe to say that is safe to say uh the the one thing we have been seeing happen a lot more uh, or is uh folks making their cancellation policies a little more flexible not to do refunds but to start allowing uh moving dates so maybe not cancellation policies but but changing policies like changing the dates yes say like right, a worry-free cancellation policy just exactly. to make it, make it easier for people to book 
Right. If somebody is looking to book a stay in October, and and however small that it is, there are still people looking to book a stay in October, right? Um, well, at least like give them the peace of mind that hey, yeah, you can book this place, and we, you and I both know that all kinds of things can happen. Like yeah, what happened in in March was well, came as a surprise to everyone, or February in March, but but now we both expect that hey something might happen um, so let's go with a policy that uh, that helps out both folks uh, to say hey i get at least some amount of revenue that i is on the books which i can move to a later date stay date uh, and you get a place to stay knowing that okay i can i can move the rates uh, for for future uh, on the pricing side we are it it's it depends on location so it's it's very hard to say as a general policy uh, if you're if your location is experiencing like a surge in demand for like later in the year, uh, then maybe it is worth looking at doing something with the rates. Uh, again, it's it's going to be very based on what you are seeing in either what you are seeing in the market or your own data, and we can talk about like how to get the market data later. Yes, yeah, that uh, that would be great. But then also, uh, what we are cautioning against is if you want to reduce your rates for farther out in the year. Um, do it knowing that if there is a surge, then you should be able to quickly go in and change them back. Like what shouldn't happen is that there is a surge and you get start getting a ton of bookings and uh, you're late in getting those rates back up to normal. Um, it's, it's okay to lower the rates a little bit maybe uh, and see if there is some demand out there that's willing to, to book if, if you do that. Uh, generally like this is COVID or no COVID, one of the thoughts we usually tell, like regardless of whether you're using dynamic pricing or not, is uh, is to experiment with pricing a little bit. Like a lot of people set the same rate throughout the year. Uh, try, if, if you have seen that, hey, March usually doesn't book in my region, drop the prices by 20, 30%. Uh, as long as they are, they meet your, your minimum price threshold of whatever you're okay taking on a nightly basis, right? Uh, and see, like maybe there is demand in March that's willing to book if the place is affordable enough. Uh, generally, like doing such experiments uh, might, I mean, you might say, okay, I, I got a booking that I didn't want, but it's going to give you an additional sort of data point that you can use for future to say, okay, uh, maybe you didn't want that booking for some reason, but if you ever did want that revenue uh, and you're okay having that inconvenience, maybe you're okay taking it. Yeah, interesting. And and it, it is just a case of testing, really, in yeah. that instance. Yeah, because mm-hmm. everything is so up in the air. Exactly. Okay, so we've, we've touched on the different data points that we can start to look at ourselves. But for people who haven't really come across a dynamic pricing tool and how that works, could you just explain how a dynamic pricing tool works, what we would actually see at our end yep. Yep. if we had a pricing tool plugged in, switched on, right. working inside our, our channel manager? Right, yeah. So usually with, with most uh, pricing systems, what you do is, uh, I mean, you, you first create an account so that you can log into something uh, and then you connect your channel manager, uh, either the channel manager or uh, your property management system, either one of those. Uh, and at that point, you'll see all your properties on, on the dashboard and you can review the price recommendations that the, that the system provides to you. Uh, and those are in most cases going to be like raw price recommendations. What, what most 
systems tend to do is they look at uh, either your own historic information or they look at what what location are you in what kind of property is it and see based on that what does this area look like to figure out what kind of seasonal trends exist in the area what kind of day of week trends exist uh, what events are coming up when are we seeing spikes in demand and all that stuff now regardless of which way it does whether it does using your own internal data or it does using external data or both uh, uh, the recommended rates that you see are not going to be like the final rates that you want like or most pricing systems understand or people who build most pricing systems understand that uh, that there are some things that that as human beings you will know or as property managers who are who's a local to that area who owns that property who or who manages that property you will know that an algorithm might not be able to know for example uh, your there might be two properties right next to each other one facing the ocean and one facing the parking lot and it's probably not specified anywhere uh, other than in the pictures right? and it's very hard to know for an algorithm that the ocean facing one can be more expensive and uh, it's it's still doable because you can see the past reservations and you can see the rates and figure out okay this one is tends to book more and at a higher rate and this one tends to book less so we do all of that stuff we try and figure out as best as we can but in the end we also want to give control to our users to say hey these are our trends these are the things that we are seeing you can say hey the overall shape looks fine but the rates need to be bumped up 20% or the overall rates for summer look fine but for winter i'm not comfortable going that low i understand that uh, maybe if you want to get a booking you need to get that low but i'm not okay doing that uh, and you can set uh, set a minimum price for winter to say for winter never go below this and for summer never go below that and things like that so you can set a lot of these uh, sort of rules around automated pricing uh, so you want automation but you don't want it to go sort of haywire either you want to be able to like control it uh, so yeah so in most pricing systems uh, it's not sort of set and forget in some ways uh, and it's not set and uh, let it do whatever it wants to do uh, you you generally want to monitor it once a week and see that okay things things are looking good things are and if they are not looking good make an adjustment like based on what you know that that the algorithm might not know so so you can all, you can almost really start to to learn first of all a combination of what it's teaching you about the area what the the algorithm's teaching you but then you put that human element of what you actually know in about your area as well it's, or historically what's happened at a specific time yeah. of year or exactly. if if you know that there's a big project coming up locally that's going to need a place for for the contractors to stay then you yeah. you you're able to adjust it's not enforcing this on you it's it's teaching you and helping you learn how to price your property exactly exactly so it's not uh, so we don't generally tend to not call it automated pricing we just call it revenue management system it's it's a system like any other system where it does a, it does things for you but you can also tell it how to do it um, and this is i mean what i'm saying is is nothing new like at united we had about a team of 15 data scientists and uh, around like 40 50 software engineers who who built the revenue management system for united airlines right and then there were about 100 market analysts who would monitor 
each market because there are even there we understood that no matter how much sophistication you put in in a system there are going to be things that uh, that human beings would know um, there like i can give a very very uh, relevant example for the uk audience like That's depending great. on depending on where uh, i think it was last year or the year before uh, in madrid uh, i think the uefa championship final was going to be held and i can't remember which two teams were playing um, i won't be any help with that <laughs> i don't know which two teams were playing but uh, one of the possibilities was that a british team gets into the championship final and we had users who were saying depending on whether the british team gets in or whether the spanish team gets in they will price the uefa championship finals weekend in madrid differently because if the british team gets in they know a ton of people are going to fly into madrid and want a place to stay versus if the local team gets in then they don't need a place to stay uh, like these kinds of things are uh, are fairly hard for like anybody other than human beings to understand yes yeah absolutely absolutely because that's not something that that happens regularly yeah, at all exactly. so you, you can't tell it well this happens every single yeah. year at this time yeah. there's so many variables in who exactly. gets through to that that final and yeah, yeah. Um, uh, that's really really interesting yeah. amazing so i know that you you've looked at some some data a little mm-hmm. bit for usa a little bit for the uk do you mind yeah. sharing some of the things that you've been looking at data wise recently that that might be useful for people to hear absolutely so um, on um i i can go f- for both us and uk i'll, I'll do us first uh because th- there's some bit of good news coming out there um generally one of the things we'll be tracking is like how many new bookings have been made on a booking day so for example uh what we saw was back in february the number of bookings that were being made was whatever it was it dropped by 80 to 90% uh, pretty much which is i mean we we all know this uh, what we are beginning to see is that now it's beginning to taper up a little bit so from its depth of being uh very very down it's it's gone up slightly so it's it's nowhere close to the levels it used to be mm-hmm. but at least it's it's showing There's a some movement a slope up uh which is which is great uh we are not seeing that in uk unfortunately uh just yet um a trend that we saw in both us and uk and pretty much like the rest of the world is uh and you can see some of the our blog posts on on this data on on our webpage uh is that the average length of stay has has gone up it's almost become 2x uh right. of of what it used to be so even though the number of bookings is down say 80% the number of days booked is not as far down because now each of those bookings that are happening has doubled the number of days in their stay in some ways right uh, so uh, although uh, although new bookings are down the occupancy is not as far down it's still like significantly down it's it's 50 to 60% down but it's not 80 to 90% down uh, the bad news there is generally these longer stays tend to be uh discounted the, with the weekly and monthly discounts which means that uh, that the revenue is also 
down a lot more than 50 to 60 percent right so right okay um, so yeah that's just i mean that's just the nature of what's happening right now there's, yeah. there's not much anyone can do about it uh, but in terms of actionable information i think we already discussed some of it uh, yeah. where we said okay if more stays are happening last minute and if more stays are happening uh, that are longer uh, given that there is so much supply out there is there a way to incentivize people to stay with you right now instead of staying somewhere else right and and of course you don't want it to be a race to the bottom in some ways like no uh, definitely not but uh, so so you, you still want to have your own boundaries you don't want to give a, give a free stay in some ways right yes. but whatever you're comfortable with uh, as to say hey uh, this will let me uh, at least operate at at some level that I'm comfortable with. Um, it's it's we are saying hey some some revenue is better than zero revenue. So like if something is going to help you stay afloat during these times, uh, we should we should definitely get as much as we can. Um, and like we discussed, cancellation policies, um, uh, even minimum stay is something to be very uh, thoughtful about. Like. Uh, a lot of folks used to have, especially during the high season, uh, longer minimum night restrictions, which are still okay to have uh, if, if you're like, depending on how far out it is. Mm-hmm. One of the things we generally tend to say, tell our customers, uh, not just during these times, but in general is, uh, instead of having one minimum stay setting that say seven nights across the year, try to have what we call cascading minimum stays. So like in, in, in our system, you can go and say, if it is more than 60 days out, I only want seven night stays. If it is between 30 to 60 days out, I'm okay taking three night stays. If right. it is uh, within the last week, I'm okay taking one night stays and so on. So you can set your own rules. The reason, the importance of doing this is people who generally book short stays also tend to book last minute. This is not true right now. People are booking long last minute stays right now. But generally speaking, people who book short term stays, uh, really short stays tend to book last minute. Right. You don't want a one night booking six months out or you don't want a two night booking six months out because then it stops the possibility of a longer booking around those dates. So you're generally saying, hey, I want to bulk up my calendar with these long bookings and then whatever holes are left, I want to like fill those using shorter bookings as they get closer. We are saying even now that's useful because you, of course you want those long stays and they are happening last minute, but even if you don't get it and you get a two night stay, that's okay. Given that it's last minute, if today is May 12th uh, or uh, if somebody books for May 15th, for example, a two night stay, sure enough that that stay is getting over on May 17th. So you'll have your empty calendar again for yourself so you can go back to trying to get a longer stay um, generally we are saying be be less restrictive on your minimum stay settings because uh, a lot more folks might book uh, weekend stays or, or shorter stays compared to to longer stays when we when st- things start coming out of it when uh, yeah yeah that that makes total sense so so really it's thinking about being slightly more flexible because right. there's so many unknowns, so yep. it, it wouldn't make sense for us to be rigid when there's so much exactly. that's already flexible 
out there and that's so, that's so changeable rather than flexible out right. there and, um, and really there's there's both sides to it right like one if you are if you are flexible at least right now anyways we are seeing a surge in longer bookings so uh, regardless of whether you're flexible or not you will get hopefully get the longer bookings but if you're not being flexible even those few shorter bookings that could have come to you you're not going to get them so you're basically trying to increase your possibilities got it okay so so something i think which has been overwhelmingly useful today is there's so many different data points and different things to take into account right. so moving forward for, for people that haven't maybe tried using a, a pricing a revenue management tool moving forwards now might well be a good time to get one in place because it will really help you see what's happening because that data is there in the background you've then got that live information on what is happening price-wise in your area and demand-wise in your area and that that's reflected in the prices that you'll see inside the revenue management tool correct so so Mm -hmm. Uh, yes, but I'll also add something to it. So the data is not just in the background. Uh, we also then uh, have dashboards where you can plug in your location and your address and a radius and say, hey, I want to see what's happening in, in this area. So you can kind of track, uh, and these dashboards refresh every day, so you can, on an ongoing basis, you'll be able to track like, uh, yeah, this is what other people are doing. This is how occupancy is looking. Do I need to do something about it? Am I okay with sitting where I am and things like that? Uh, even right. if like, if you're using an automated system, then, then it will do a lot of this for you. You can still give it input. But even if you're not using an automated system, you can still sort of manually keep tab on things, right? Which is which is better than, than not doing anything. Yeah, definitely. I think it's, it's like some of this information data, it can be so, so interesting and so, so valuable. And as we sort of said before we started recording it's it's one of those things that certainly when you first get going or if you're a smaller operator or if you're an individual owner you kind of think well data's for those big companies out there it's not right. really for me how can i apply it to me but this is this is a way to actually use data which is so valuable right to um, to, to help in this yeah. strange situation I, i'll add two things to that uh one is uh I, I know it for our system, but I also kind of know it for most pricing systems. When you hook it to your channel manager or property management system, they will show you recommendations and then you can tailor those recommendations. But until you explicitly give it uh, like turn on a switch, those rates are not going anywhere. So you can still try it out without the 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 risk of prices going live without you knowing what what happened here right they give you recommendations and then they most systems will have a checkbox or something to say hey yeah i'm comfortable with these prices i want them to go into my channel manager Um, the second one uh, what you said about the smaller operators uh, thinking data is is not for them Uh, i i think it's like I mean, we started as as a small operator, as in like my co-founder had had one property that he was managing, pretty much that, right? Um, and the only reason I can think of of data not being for them, I mean, data is for pretty much everyone, uh, I would say, uh, is that it takes time to digest data, uh, and and if you are if you don't have time, then uh, then that 
I mean, you, you don't necessarily want to sit and look at some charts and figure out what's happening. So um, in that case, it, it, it might still be worth the investment, especially if things are not busy right now, to, uh, to try and figure out what kind of systems, and, and I'm not even talking about pricing systems, like any systems that can help save you time in the future, uh, this might be a good time to sit down and learn and figure out how it works. Even in your property management system, there might be features that uh, that you just never got around to using, and they might have saved you a couple of hours every week. Good uh, point. And and that's huge, right? Like, and this is like this is you're getting this for free. You already probably are paying for your property yeah. management system or channel manager. Um, why not? Uh, why not explore? Like, generally, as, as a company, we have also been doing that. Like, we are saying, okay, let's. Let's see what all things we can improve as a whole on the system side, not necessarily on like doing everyday activities as well. Yeah, that's a really good point you raise, actually, that that now is a very, very good time to to think about just making those citations, just finding out if you've actually already got something that could be saving yeah. you time. Because moving forwards, one of the things which is going to to set us apart as individuals is a very smooth smoothly run business yeah. uh, and that's reflected in what the guest sees and we're going to have to be smoother and tighter and more in control because there's so many more things that we're going to have to think about like the worry-free cancellations that we've talked about today yeah. um, the different lengths of stays that we're going to have to take into account the added cleaning protocols there's so many different right. things that are sort of sort of coming into to place now so great points there thank you so much for coming to spend some time with us today it's been so interesting i i i always think that i'm not really um a details person but actually this is so interesting that <laughs> i could, could very definitely suddenly become a details person and just find out yeah. <laughs> find myself going down a rabbit hole of, of learning and really learning yeah. about I mean, data uh, and how it all works mm. Absolutely, yeah. I mean, if uh, if it if it has the potential of improving your uh, your operations or your business, then uh, everybody should become detail oriented. Yeah, most definitely. Yeah. Really good point. Yeah. So, before we finish up, what mm -hmm. do you think is going to be the future of our industry? Do you think it's it is going to shift towards the longer term lettings? Do you do you think? we're going to survive as an industry do you think we're going to thrive what what do you think personally um in the short term uh, yes I, I feel like we are going to survive uh, and beyond that potentially thrive so i don't know if this came out very recently yeah. but booking.com had this uh, uh, because booking.com takes bookings from both vacation rentals and hotels. Um, they have been generally seeing stronger trends towards uh, vacation rentals compared to, compared to hotels. So at least comparatively, we are, vacation rentals are going to do a little better. Um, that doesn't mean that we will thrive this year necessarily. Uh, it just means that in the long run, like for people who who hold steady and survive through all of this, there is there's something good waiting. Hopefully, at the end of it, um, the long-term bookings or the mid-term bookings, I'm so it's definitely something that is happening right now. I don't know for certain if this is going to be a sustained trend. Um, it's, I mean, it 
yeah, I mean, I just don't know. It, it seems very hard to fathom. Like right now, we can totally see why there is a demand for yes. longer stays, right? There are workers, medical workers uh, going to cities to, to help out, or there are people who are stuck in a place, or yeah. uh, all kinds of reasons. Yes. When things get back to normal, those reasons won't necessarily exist. Um, so I don't know if this trend of longer bookings is going to be there like a year from now. Uh, Short-term bookings were always like a thing because there, there's a very, very, like either on a business side of things, like people traveling yes. for business or like you said, the contractors who are coming in for, although they might qualify for longer stays, uh, they're, they're probably not building a whole building in th- three days. Um, but, uh, but the other, like, yeah, just tourism is, is always going to be spread around on, in terms of length of stay. Like there are plenty of people who just want weekend stays uh, and then they'll continue to come whether that happens this year or not, or at what point in this year does it uh, start coming back up is, is a question. But uh, yeah, I would say survive, try and survive so that in the future years we can thrive. Yeah, I, I agree. And I, I do think that that moving forwards, as you say, it's, it's uncertain for now, but yeah, we're still going to be here yeah. <laughs> moving forwards. Yeah, I hope so. Yeah, I mean, I'm sure we are. Yeah, I mean, the the industry won't disappear, no. uh, but uh, but of course, like it will take time to recover. Like okay. pretty much every other industry, like of course, even like manufacturing, which is so basic, uh, is going to take time to recover because of all the supply chains that are now distorted and, and things like that. Right. So it's yeah, it's yeah, it's when you, when you start thinking about all the different things that have happened that on yeah. that that usually go on around the world and aren't happening. It only just occurred yeah. to me the other day that actually, I don't really watch television very much. But if I was looking for something to watch for a, a half an hour, just a downtime, I suddenly was like, well, nobody's making any programs because <laughs> there's. You, you can't and there's yeah. just so many places of stuff which is just going on around the world and, and it's all stopped and it's yeah. it's just so strange to to think about so so yes everything's going to take time yeah. so that that's quite comforting really isn't it that everything's going to take time it's not just yeah. us that it's happened to it's it's everywhere that's just going to take time to get back to whatever the new normal is on the other side yep. Well, that's brilliant. Thank you so, so much for spending some time with me today, Anna. It genuinely has been really, really interesting. And if people would like to come and take a look at Price Labs, how can they do that? How can they get in touch? What's the best thing for them to do? Um, so the, the, the easiest thing to do is to go on pricelabs.co. So that's P-R-I-C-E-L-A-B-S dot C-O. Um, and there are a lot of resources there. Uh, we have uh, a webinar link that you can register where you can also see a 20 minute demo if you want to see of the system, but you can also join a live webinar. So we host one every week where you can just get a demo, ask questions on how this works, how that works, uh, which is pretty useful. Um, you can also like watch a short video or just we really go into details of how, how this works. So a lot of things that I explained right now, they are like laid out in, in very like well, um, uh, very clear steps there. Um, Brilliant. And then uh, we really pride ourselves on support. So if if you just email support at pricelabs.co, uh, we are very prompt in getting back with the right resources or if, if you need to hop on a call or something like that. 
Perfect. That's amazing. Thanks again for coming and spending the time. And I will hopefully get to see you sometime in the not too distant future. Yeah. <laughs> At some point when we're allowed out of our houses. At some point. We last saw each other two years back. So. Must be two years ago. Yeah. yeah. In, um, where were we in? It was London. It was in it London. It was the VRM Intel Live, wasn't it? Correct. That was March yes. of 2018, I think. Yeah. Oh, yeah, it was quite a while. That yeah. went quick, didn't it? me. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's lovely to see you again. And I will look forward to seeing you again in the future. Cheers yeah. and bye Thank for now. Thank you so much. Yeah. Thank you. Bye. Bye.